You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a crossover edition of both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns. I'm Kevin Ostreicher of Locked On Ravens. With me, Garrett Bush of Locked On Browns. Thank you so much for tuning in today, making both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. And today's episode of both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you could have said 10 times Money on your entry first time users can receive one of those best matches with one promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com promo code locked on. And Garrett, this is a game between the three and three Ravens, the two and four Browns, and an AFC North division that I think many people had a lot of expectations for. And I think one of the biggest storylines of this game is in the North, just how much of a disappointment I think to the division's been so far through these first six weeks. Yeah, uh, no one seems to want to take the division by the horns. Uh, you know, uh, we laughed a little bit before we got on uh, on uh, camera and started doing the show. Both the Ravens and the Browns are find ways to lose games down the down the um, backstretch. Uh, you know, the crazy part about it is during the first part of the year when you guys lost to the uh, to the Dolphins, I said that's crazy. I'll never see that. I'll, I ain't never seen that. And usually. Some people in Cleveland like to take joy out of something happening bad, especially for the other three teams in the division, uh, the Bengals, Ravens, uh, and the Steelers. And, and I'm looking at it like, well, you can't really get too excited about that because you still have to do figure out what's going on in your own backyard. And, ne- and needless to say, the Jets came back on, on us in one of the craziest games of all time. We've lost leads uh, against the Falcons, lost leads against the uh, you know, we looked horrible against the, the Chargers. Uh, and then last week, I think it was rock bottom. Um, when you, you get beat by the Patriots and Bill Belichick with a, uh, with a guy named Zappy, he sounds like an old, uh, 7-Eleven. Like I'm gonna go to Zappy's and get a case of beer and some, uh, hot pretzels. Like <laughs> it was just worse. It's horrible. And I think when you're talking about two teams that really need a win, the Ravens and Browns, they really need this game. I think it has the potential to be a, a spark for a season, especially if they can win it in dominant fashion. But you're mentioning the fourth quarter, Garrett. And yeah, it's been it's been a struggle for the Ravens. They're one of the worst fourth quarter teams in the league right now. I think they're averaging under four points a game in the fourth quarter this year. We saw in week two against the Dolphins that horrendous collapse where it was just 60-yard touchdown, 40-yard, two it through for 469 and six touchdowns in that game, which is just unbelievable. And then recently it's been the offense, where the offense can't get anything going. Lamar Jackson hasn't played particularly well these past three weeks. Some very, I'd say, not great decisions, especially on the interception against the Giants in week six, where there's a bad snap, and instead of just throwing the ball away, he tries to force it into a jump ball with, of all people, Pasha Ricard, who's the fullback. So you have different things going on. I mean, for, for you, Garrett, well, what's been the issue for the Browns? Has it been offense? Has it been defense? Has everything, coaching, everything been the reason? Um, No. I, I think that the offense, if you look at Jacoby Brissett for the most part, we've known what Jacoby Brissett was. He's a... He's a guy that is a game manager. He's gonna get. He's able to get you a, a couple wins, but you can't ask him to win the game for you. If you're gonna put the ball in his hands and throw it thirty plus times, that's not gonna work out uh, to your advantage. I think the offense, for the most part, if you look at besides last game, PFF had us ranked in the top five as offenses. Um, you know, we got a dominant running game. Nick Chubb. Um, 
is a guy who, even though he leads, he's a, either one, two, or three and carries in the league, he's still a guy who you we want to get the ball to more, especially on the goal line. Um, but then you've looked at that and you, and you juxtapose that between the offense and the defense, and the defense um, had all these expectations. All these, you, you, Jade McClowney, you got um, Miles Garrett, you, you were really high on uh, Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker. You spent a lot of money in John Johnson the third. Uh, Grant Delpit was a second round pick, and of course, Denzel Ward just got the big contract. And what we saw, we we thinking this team is going to be a, a top five unit. They they had all their pieces coming back. Guys got paid, and this year has just been horrendous. Uh, um, Joe Woods has never been a guy that I've liked on my list of guys that would be heading the defense because I just think he plays too passive. Um, I, I think that they also were exposed a little bit in the way they went in while building the team. Our defensive tackles, if you look at it, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, all of our defensive tackles are in the hundreds. And I mean, there's only, I think it's 115 or 16 defensive tackles eligible. Ours are in the 110s and 112s. Highest rated defensive tackle is Taven Bryan, who's 89th in the league, I believe. Um, so right now, teams are getting whatever they want to. San Diego Chargers uh, ran out there, and, and Alston Eckler was averaging the least amount of yards per game. He came out and had a career day at 180 yards on the ground. They still threw the ball. So, and you say, well, maybe that's just to run defense. No, we just mentioned a, a, a rookie named Zappy came out there with 118 quarterback rate, uh, QBR rating and then still for th- threw for 300 on the road against you. So the defense is horrible. They, they're not tackling well. They're not getting turnovers, and I put pressure on people. Um, Clowney is out of this game. Uh, a couple other people may be out of this game. So, you know, that's the that's the story of our season. The defense and Joe Woods, what are they going to do? And can they stop anybody? Right. And I think on the other side for the Ravens, the offense has been, I think, the issue over these past couple weeks where they just ha- I think they've hit a wall. And a lot of people are pointing to Greg Roman, who has been, I think, a staple figure in the news for the Ravens over the past couple of years, because I think of the the way the team performed in 2019, they went 14 and two. They had the most historic rushing offense in NFL history. And, and Lamar Jackson was only in his second season where now you're entering year five and Jackson has continued to ascend. He's continued to improve, but the offense, it just feels like hasn't evolved with him. And so the question now is, is Lamar Jackson outgrown Greg Roman? Does Can Greg Roman do anything else for Lamar Jackson? I think Greg Roman, I've been very neutral. He's a, I think he's a fine offensive coordinator, but there are flaws. I mean, you go to week six, the Ravens averaged 8.8 yards per carry against the Giants. They had Lamar Jackson and Kenyon Drake average over 11 yards per carry. And you get to the Giants' five-yard line in their three straight pass plays. And you have to kick a field goal because you can't convert. And the Ravens go one of three in the red zone. And it's those it's the, it's the little mistakes. I mean, the Ravens, over the first three weeks of the season, they were the least penalized team in the NFL. They were really right. good at not being able to just you know hurt themselves with those penalties against the Giants. They had 10 penalties for 74 yards. It was little things, and they should have won the game because there was a third and one. There was a quarterback sneak. The Ravens got it, and that was with, I think, five or four minutes left. They could have just run the clock down pretty much. You know, there's a legal formation. Kevin, I I was confused. I, I you know we'll, we we could get to this in another section, but I don't know what was the deal with Hollywood Brown. I, I didn't. <laughs> I I just didn't. From me looking in, I'm like, okay, he's a first round pick. You guys need receivers. The Ravens have struggled pretty much ever since Anquan Bolton and Steve Smith left up out of here, right? Two veterans that they brought in that were really great for those guys. But I just didn't understand what it was with Hollywood Brown, why they would let him walk like that and trade him. I I was confused. Maybe you can shed some light on it. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. It's really, I think it was it was his decision. He was, I think, unhappy with the fact that he wanted to be more involved. And not that he wasn't involved because he obviously he had his career his career year. Well, this year is his career year. But yeah, right. for last year he he continued to ascend. But it was he wanted to feel more like he was a part of the winning. Where the Ravens obviously over these past couple of years have been a rushing team. So there were days where Marquise Brown maybe only got four targets, maybe only got five targets. And while he was still getting peppered in some of the other games, and he actually finished with I think it was the tenth highest targets in the league last year, something like that. He just, I feel like, wanted to feel more involved. He kind of got into that a little bit. And so the Ravens, they have respected those wishes of guys because there have been multiple players who have asked out of Baltimore for the last couple of seasons, Orlando Brown Jr. being one of them who obviously wanted to play left tackle because of the wishes of his late father, obviously, Leonard Brown Sr. So he's in Kansas City. Hayden Hurst wanted to be more of an alpha number one tight end, but with Mark Andrews in Baltimore, that's not going to happen. So he gets traded to Atlanta. That pick becomes J.K. Dobbins. So they were going to honor that. And honestly, it was a shot, Garrett, because they kept it so quiet to the point where I don't think anybody knew about it. And I think if someone did know about it, the deal wouldn't have even gotten done. So they got Linderbaum with that pick. But Marquise Brown, I think, is a good wide receiver. But I think he is like the, the highest end of a number two. Right, He can be a number one. But I think him next to DeAndre Hopkins is a perfect situation because he's yeah. so good in that number two role where he can still get his targets, still get his receptions. But in Baltimore – with the way that offense is run or was run at least over the past couple of seasons, I think he just wanted more opportunities, even though he technically was getting them in Baltimore, the way Arizona throws the ball, the way Kansas city throws the ball, et cetera, it, it can be a lot different than maybe what you're getting in Baltimore. Which I know Juju Smith-Schuster talked about how he loves Lamar, but he's going to get the opportunities in Baltimore. It's, it's kind of yeah. the situation with Marquise Brown. Yeah. You know, you look at what they're doing out in, in uh, out in Arizona and desert. They're out in, they, they playing the, the, the glorified college football play, playbook. They got four wides, five wides. He's out there. He's not going to be blocking downfield. He's going to be catching routes. So I can see where he went with that. So uh, it, it might've worked but for both parties. Yeah. I, th- I think, when you get into a situation like that, too, you don't want us to necessarily blow up at the end. Like, if you kept Marquise Brown and he continues to be unhappy in his role, how is that going to go? Like, is there going to be something like a fracture within the relationship there? So I think everybody ends it on pretty good terms. I think nobody really had any hard feelings one way or the other. The Ravens do get a first-round pick out of it. They actually picked Marquise Brown at 25 in the 2019 draft. They traded him for the 25th pick in the 2022 draft. So now they have Tyler Linderbaum on a rookie deal who has looked really good. And I think when you're talking yeah. about key matchups uh, with the offensive line for the Ravens versus the Browns defensive line, two big players, one for each side. We'll get to that in the second segment for key matchups. So be sure to stay tuned. We still have a ton to talk about here on locked on Ravens and locked on Browns. But first I do want to tell you a bit about blue Nile and whether you're looking to pop the question, have a milestone to celebrate or want to let your love sparkle blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable and they have a lot of different ways they can do that as an original online jeweler blue nile offers a large selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers blue niles help millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring they're easy online tools that you choose the diamond shape size and clarity as well as the setting style blue niles bench jewelers will then help you handcraft your perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring 
And you can shop stress-free of Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free and discreet packaging. They also offer overnight shipping if you're in a rush. And they have so many good reviews on many different pieces of fine jewelry. So make your moment sparkle at BlueNile.com. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's BlueNile.com, code LOCKEDON. To save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more, BlueNile.com, code LOCKEDON. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns. Kevin Ostriker is still here with Garrett Bush. And Garrett, I, I kind of teased at the end of the first segment, but I think Ronnie Stanley versus Miles Garrett are, are two players. And obviously, Miles Garrett had his situation. Very glad he's okay and, and everything is good. He reaggravated the injury against the Patriots. Can you shed light on his status for, for Sunday? Yeah, I think he'll play. He's, uh, he's banged up. You know, there's guys, you know. Um, guys inside the organization, some of the sources that I have say, you know, it's, it's tough for him right now. You know, um, you know, he wants to be out there and he understands that, you know, as a leader, um, especially the way things went last year, right? Uh, right now you're two and four. Um, and if you are having any sort of thought process that you're going to, you know, tread water until, you know, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson gets to come back and play football, you got two of the the heart of your schedule is right now. So you got uh, two division games against the Ravens and the, and the Bengals and all three of the teams need these wins. So he's not going to take himself out, but you know, he reportedly couldn't put a shirt on after the game. He's, you know, the, the shoulder sprain. And then he also has a bicep injury or whatever. Um, you know, he had two sacks last game, but you know, he's actually under some fire here. Um, in Cleveland, a lot of people are are saying, you know, a lot of people say, hey, man, why are you driving that fast after they found out he was OK? You know, the, the the public sentiment looks it changes based on how well you're doing on the field. And a lot of people said, hey, we're not going to have Miles Garrett. We lost the game to the Falcons. Now, me, myself, dude, uh, it, 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 I know you didn't have Miles Garrett, but that Miles Garrett don't have nothing to do with a lot of the other different things that, that happened on that football field. Um, so, you know, right now he's doing, um, you know, he got two sacks. He broke the record. I think that was something that was weighing on him a little bit because he's been in a position to do that for a long period of time. He just hasn't either been on the field or been able to get the sack. So, you know, it looks like he had some production last week. He's still banged up. He's not a hundred percent. And I think, um, it really goes to tell the telltale sign because now you have Jadavian Clowney who, uh, you know, came back, uh, not last week, but the week prior, uh, and he's subsequently missed last week, and he probably will miss this week again. So, you know, Miles Garrett is always a guy um, who is a great rusher on the one left-hand side, but the Browns have always been looking for somebody to put next to Miles Garrett. And Jadavie Clowney has been the best mix for the Browns just because of the athleticism and, and ability of Jadavie and Clowney. Um, but the Raven Stanley is a, is a, is a high pick for a high first-round pick. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he, he offers a lot of length and I think the longer you are as a, as a defensive, uh, or excuse me, as a tackle, the more you can give miles Garrett, miles Garrett loves to dip move. He runs and bends as, as well as anybody in terms from the waist down, able to get skinny, turn the corner and get sacks. But, you know, one of the things that helps with that is, is, is an offensive lineman who, who has long enough arms that can punch and sit back. Uh, and and not worried about letting Miles Garrett get into his body. And when you have any sort of uh, shoulder, the main thing that you're trying to do is punch and release and get guys off you. That's not going to happen right there. He's not going to be able to do that at a high level. 
So, you know, he's going to have to rely on speed and leverage, but, you know, it's all about your hands and your punch and your placement. So right now, and Miles Garrett is against the eight ball a little bit, especially when you don't got Jadavian Clowney. Right, and for Stanley in particular, Garrett, it's somebody who did come back a couple weeks ago, so the Ravens are still trying to get him fully back in the offense. They've been super cautious. They went through so many injuries last year. I know, obviously, the Browns did too, but the Ravens with losing guys like Ronnie Stanley and, and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters, <laughs> the, the list, they, I, could, I could go all – we could do a whole segment on the Ravens' injuries, but – they're being cautious with these guys, keeping them on pitch counts. For Stanley, he's been rotating in and out with Passion McCarry, who's their backup kind of like jack-of-all-trades player who can play all across the offensive line. But the thing is, Morgan Moses went down in week six for the Ravens with a heel injury. It seems like he's going to be okay. John Harbaugh said nothing serious. So hopefully, the hope is he'll get back on the field on a Sunday. But if not... It'll be interesting to me to see if the Ravens kind of scrap the whole pitch count thing or go very, very light because their only other option right now, at least on the roster, is Daniel Falele, who's a fourth-round pick and held his own. He had to play because the Ravens were down three tackles against the Patriots, and he played in that game and played pretty well. But for Stanley, he has shown that when he is on the field, when he's not on the pitch count, he's going to be good to go. He is back. The mobility has been there. The power has been there. He's one of the best in both run blocking and in pass protection. So that's a player that really unlocks, I think, a unit, unlocks an offensive line. But Miles Garrett is somebody who I know these two have had their battles before with with Ronnie Stanley and Miles Garrett. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see that battle. But I think for me, another matchup I'm watching, Garrett, is how the Ravens defense, especially their front seven, is able to hopefully for the Ravens' sake, not for the Browns, contain Nick Chubb. I think it's a key point in who wins the game because the Ravens, a key as to why the defense played so well against the Giants in week six was because going up against Saquon Barkley, they did their job and they made the Giants beat them somewhere else. Barkley only averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Nick Chubb this year is averaging 5.9 yards per carry. That is an incredible clip. He's one of the best, if not the best running backs in the league right now. He's running behind an offensive line that is banged up a little bit. I know Wyatt Teller's not going to play this week. I know that's a pretty big loss for them. But how confident are you that even without Teller, the way that Chubb's playing right now and even sprinkling in Kareem Hunt, that they can either gash this Ravens defensive front or do you think that the Ravens defensive front has the advantage now with a guy like Teller out? I, I, listen, I would, I would, um, I, I liked what the Brown, when Teller's in there, it's a different, it's a different style, right? Um, they're nasty, they're mean. When you get Teller in there, he's one of the best pulling guards. Um, he's the road grader up front. You know, it's really strange because usually, you're building your team from the the outside in. The Browns are more built from the inside out and two guards, two Pro Bowl guards in uh, uh, Batonio and Teller. Um, you know, Jesuit Wills has played better, um, you, you know, out there at left tackle. And, and Conklin is just getting his feet wet coming back. Missed a lot of last year, all of the offseason and two days and practices, all that good stuff um, coming back from a knee injury. So they're working their way in. Um, and now that you got Wyatt Teller out, um, and you already had Nick Harris, who was a, the starting center, went out during, um, you know, during camp. So, you know, Ethan Pochich has has played well. Uh, you look at uh, Hubbard has – we haven't even seen Hubbard. We've seen more of Hudson, who is our, uh, you know, offensive lineman guy come, coming out of the University of Cincinnati, former defensive lineman at the University of Michigan. He has good feet. We like him. Um, and, and obviously, Bill Callahan does a world-class job of just getting linemen ready. But for me – I would say the Browns are in a little bit of trouble, and that's because I just don't feel like Kevin Stefanski is up for giving the ball to Nick Chubb. There's been a whole big thing in in, um, in, in Cleveland, and there's always a diff- the faction of people that don't like the play calling, but it's even higher now. Like, we've, we've come to unite on one front. Like, 
Because when you look at it, when you look at Kevin Stefanski and you watch other teams, other teams go to what, what works for them. Other teams go to like, hey, when Derrick Henry was running in Tennessee, they are, you already know who was getting the, getting the ball. Derrick Henry was the guy getting the ball. Um, the other day we was playing Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons had guys that just had been um, moved up to the practice from the practice squad. Cordell Patterson went out, who was leading, was one of the leaders in, in rushing before he went out with the injury. And they ran it 13 straight times against our defensive line because we didn't have Clowney or Miles Garrett. And they they just basically said, we're not going to run the ball with Marcus Mariota. We're just going to run right at you and see if you can stop it. They, they, we didn't stop them. They walked all the way downfield, scored. Falcons ended up winning that game. And I, I made the comment that Kevin Stefanski, even though he has, you know, two of the best backs in the game, I, I, my analogy was, hey, listen, it's like it's like the, the, the Targaryens <laughs> not using their dragons. Why would like I'm never I am never going to King's Landing with all these other guys. No, I don't need foot soldiers or the Night's Watch or nobody from the wall. Give me two dragons and I'm going to do that forever. Right. And we just seem not to use them. I mean, Nick Chubb doesn't get the ball in the goal line sometimes. Third and one, we're confused. He's running play action. So, no, I don't think that uh, Kevin Stefanski has the the intestinal fortitude to line up and say, I'm going to run this regardless, no matter what the Ravens give me. And I think some of those frustrations are also in Baltimore. We talked about Greg Roman and just where his play calling can be consistent situational awareness, I think is something that Greg Roman has faltered with in certain areas. And also you're seeing with the Ravens, and I'm sure we'll see this on Sunday still, because it hasn't gotten fixed where the play clock will go all the way. It'll go five, four, three, two. <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it's the ball either gets snapped right at one or there's a delay of game. And we've, it's been frustrating because the Ravens say we've got to get the play calls in quicker. We, you know, we're working on it. And then it, it doesn't change in a lot of circumstances, man. I hate that. I just, there's one thing I hate is, is when you, when a coach gets up there, you know, there's a couple things that, uh, that are, are hampering us, holding us back. Um, we just got to watch the tape and get some of that stuff cleaned up. And I, I feel I'm, I have faith in that room. They're, they're working on, shut up. no, like, I just get the play calls in faster. We don't need to hear all that. Give me the play. You got to tackle people. If you don't tackle, we taking you out. I just, oh, my gosh, it's so, so annoying to hear people do stuff over and over and over again and just be like, yeah, we're just hoping to get it. No, no, that's not how it works. And it, it's it's one thing if, you know, we're six weeks in right now. We're still honestly pretty early in the year, all things considered. There's still a lot of football left. But for the Ravens, and I'm, I'm sure maybe the Browns have some things that have kind of trickled in from last year, where it hasn't been just a this year thing. It's been a last year thing. It's been a two years ago thing. It's been a maybe even three years ago thing. And you're kind of thinking, is it going to be a next year thing and a two years from now thing and a three see, years from now thing? It's all see, those things. See, Kevin, see how this, the way this things work. See, I'm old. I, I mean, look, yeah, I'm an old, I'm an old head. I, I'm 40. So I remember this is how frustrating this is. I remember when the Browns in the nineties would do certain things and they couldn't get clock management and they couldn't throw the ball down the field and play calling was suspect too. And then they up and left. Then they went to Baltimore and figured everything out. <laughs> they got the jerseys changed. They got the, they, they, they put Ozzie Smith, uh, Ozzie Newsom, uh, Ozzie Newsom ahead of everything. And lo and behold, the Ravens started drafting hall of famers. I said, what the heck is this? What kind of sorcery is this? They get Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden and, 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 and Ed Reed. And I'm like, this is Jamal Lewis. 
we got Jamal Lewis late here. He was already 45 when Jamal Lewis got here, and he was still the running better, one of the best running backs we had. So I know all about taking L's the same way for 30 years. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's the complacency thing for me always where, you know, you just don't get complacent with doing something, you know, not the right way. And I think Baltimore has been good in certain situations of kind of ushering out the bad, but in others, it's almost like, well, why can't this change or why can't that change? Right. There's a lot. Right. Th- these two teams, it feels like are actually decently similar going into week seven here and coming oh, up. Yeah. In the final segment, we're going to be talking about predictions for this game, final storylines and thoughts. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But first, I do want to tell you a bit about Simply Safe. And here's a sports analogy for you when it comes to burglars. Your home is like the end zone. You need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why so many people trust Simply Safe home security. It's Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know your home is safe. And there are so many people who have positive experiences with Simply Safe. They help prevent break-ins, and the effectiveness of the technology is really, really supported by the team over there. And also, 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe agents call you the moment the threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. There are HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. There are smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Rounding out this divisional crossover here, Locked on Ravens, Locked on Browns, Kevin Ostriker, and Garrett Bush. And Garrett, I know I said the Ravens and the Browns, fourth quarter issues, some of the complacency stuff, they're pretty similar, but something has to give. A team has to, well, a team doesn't have to. Maybe they tie. And I think that's honest. <laughs> I, I, I right. do not like, I do not like ties, but yeah, I, I feel I hate like ties. when something has to give in the situation, the Ravens in the fourth quarter, the Ravens with this, but then you have the Browns who I think, even what Jacoby was said at the helm, I think the surprising thing is you talked about has been the lack of defensive production, I guess you would call it, when you have so much talent on that defense. You know, Grant Delpit was such a – I thought he was a steal of that draft. And I, I did too. I did he, too. He hasn't been anywhere near the player that many people thought he was. So I think with the way the Browns' defense has been struggling, the Ravens' offense has been struggling a little bit too, one of those two units – one of those two units is going to get the spark they need, I feel like, whether it is the Ravens' offense or the Browns' defense. That's one of the key matchups for me. But in terms of predictions, Garrett, do you think the Browns have enough to come into Baltimore to win this game on the road, which could be set in the way the defense is playing, or do you think that Baltimore is going to be the team that comes on top? Well, here, here's there's three things that you, Baltimore has going for them, right? They got the fact that, um, A, you're at home. I, they got the fact that B, the Browns' defensive line in the middle, as far as the defensive tackles, uh, is is as bad as I've seen in a long period of time. And their linebackers, they're trying to. They we went and just made a trade for Deion Jones, um, Atlanta uh, middle linebacker who was a one-time Pro Bowler. However, he just come off the injury reserve. He does not know the plays. And for a team that has a signal caller like Deion Jones who is now getting acclimated to a new system that is going to be calling the defense with the green sticker on, it's kind of not, it's kind of a little bit of alarming to think that, you know, a guy that don't know the system is coming to a place and now he has to make all the right, perfect checks. And he's just learning on the fly. I don't like that. And then finally, 
Lamar Jackson. So here's the thing about Lamar Jackson. He's always killed the Browns, right? Um, if you don't have contain, you don't have gap uh, integrity, um, and you don't have somebody that is always able to put some pressure on him, nobody is going to be faster than Lamar Jackson. He'll probably be the fastest guy on the, on, on the field. If he gets in the open, it, it, there's nothing you can do. So with Jadavion Clowney being out, Miles Garrett not even being like 100%, and the Ravens coming in and knowing what they want to do is just run the football. Um, I think it's too much um, of an advantage for them. Um, superstar quarterbacks can do certain things. You even I look at last year. Uh, we went to Baltimore. I think Lamar Jackson threw five interceptions or something crazy. It was either four or five. Yeah, I think four. Um, he threw four interceptions, but we had such a garbage quarterback in Baker Mayfield that we couldn't even – it was almost like you being self-checked. It didn't matter how many turnovers the defense got. It didn't matter any of that because – we couldn't score and get on the point and, and capitalize off those those turnovers. And Lamar did it just enough, made enough plays with his legs or or his arm to get it done. I think it's it's more the same thing. If it was a Deshaun Watson football game, I think it might be different. Uh, but Jacoby Brissett has shown in the, in the crunch time when it comes down to the come down, three interceptions in the last drive to go ahead or or tie the football game. I got the Ravens winning this game because I'm not a hater. I just I watch the game to tell them what it is. I got the Ravens winning this game 31 to 21. Yeah, it's interesting because, oh, first of all, I remember that game in ball. It was like neither team wanted to keep the football. So I was like, here you go. Yeah. No, you you have it back. No, here, you take it no, back. You, no, there you go, Kevin. Here you go. You much, we much rather you go. <laughs> it's like who, who's who's going to actually take, take control of this game? And ultimately the Ravens did win despite Jackson's four interceptions. But yeah. – Jackson has been their entire offense this year. Really, when, when it comes down to Baltimore's offense, it's Lamar Jackson, who's obviously like everything. You know, the offense goes, the team goes through him. But then you have Mark Andrews, who's your number one pass catcher. He's one of the best, if not the best tight end in the league. Mm -hmm. But then other than that, you know, wide receiver wise, Rashad Bateman did return to practice on Wednesday, which is a great sign. Yeah. But the Ravens did sign, and this might be a blast from the past for you, Deshaun Jackson to the practice squad. Wow, Deshaun Jackson. How old is he, like 40 now? 35. Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson I feel like he played for the Redskins twice, the Eagles twice, and the Raiders twice. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been everywhere. And look, he's had he had a great he's had a great career. You know, in yeah, Philadelphia, yeah. he was absolutely yeah. electric. But the the issue for I think Ravens fans with the signing is that they've gone through the Jeremy Macklin's and the Michael Crabtree's and the Sammy Watkins. Yeah. And, and, and so the, it's like, are we doing this again? Where the retreads, the, kind of the retreads, right? right? We've seen the great veteran act. We've seen Derek Mason and we've seen Anquan Bolden and we've seen Steve Smith, but for every Derek Mason, there's maybe three Jeremy Macklin's. He, even Mike Wallace. I, I, I love Mike Wallace. I thought Mike Wallace was great, but yes, yeah, it, I did too. It's almost like, for people, they want to see Lamar Jackson with his version of DeAndre Hopkins, with his version yeah. of Stephon Diggs, you know, his version of, of DK Mecca. So the the name, the hot name has been DJ Moore, but would Baltimore be able to part with that? Part with the first yeah. round or part with the second round to be able to ooh, get Ooh, 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 that's kind of rough. Like, it's crazy because in one sense, you're, you, you, you're, you're, you're trying, you, you started over a little bit because you got rid of Hollywood Brown. But at the same time, you still kind of want that number one receiver. You still want that number one flair. So it's like, all right, well, do you give up a number one pick? And the Baltimore Ravens and uh, and the Steelers traditionally don't give up first round picks willy nilly. They just don't be like, hey, let's right. just sell our franchise. They don't. 
y'all really don't get down like that. So that is a that is a very tough decision. But DJ Moore could really it could that could put you over the top in, in terms of maybe making the playoffs and getting to a playoff berth that you might not have gotten to otherwise. Yeah, and it's interesting. The thing for me, and I think a lot of people, is that with Bateman going down, everybody moves up a rung on the ladder. So Devin Duvernay's your number one. Who's played well? Devin Duvernay's played really well. He's played well. He's played well. But then your number two is Demarcus Robinson. Your number three is James. Mm-hmm. So what if Duvernay goes down? Or, or even worse, what if Andrews goes down? Right. Who are, who are your other? You, you need to have, I think, more than that. So even if it's not B.J. Moore, maybe if it's a, if it's a rung down where – what, what does Brandon Cooks look like? What does Curtis Samuel look like? There, there are some of these options, but you're right, Garrett, where the Ravens historically haven't given up those high draft picks. They, yeah. they really value the, you know, the compensatory pick formula has been something they've been all over. They've been one of the best at doing that. So they value the draft pick. So we'll see if, if this is maybe the time where they maybe go away from their philosophy and say, hey, you know what? We have Lamar Jackson. This is the last year of his rookie deal. He's on the fifth year option this year. Obviously, beyond that is uncertain based off the contract situation, but maybe they want to take advantage. So we'll see. But in this game, the wide receivers, hopefully Bateman is back. Duvernay, I think, will be able to step up with Bateman. And he stepped up even without Bateman on the field. But yeah, I think yeah. with the way the Browns secondary has struggled this year, with the way the Browns defense, I'd say, has struggled this year, to put it a little better, I think that the Ravens offense, with the way the offensive line has played, I mean, the offensive line has been it's so impressive. Linderbaum's been great. Ben Powers, the left guard, has been great. Kevin Zeitler is is the key to consistency on that line. He's been amazing for them. Another former Brown, just, you know, we got rid of him. Just, you know, all right, there we go. And and Baltimore thanks you for, yeah, for, right. for getting him there. So I think that the way, again, you mentioned the Browns defensive line. I think the way the Browns offense or the Ravens offensive line, excuse me, has been playing this, this will be a Ravens win. I'm predicting a, a big divisional one. They'll move it to another. I'm going to say, I'll say 27, 23 Ravens. That that'll be my prediction. All right. Well, look, look, I I wish I could say that I had the Browns winning, but I told myself after the Patriots lost, no, I'm not picking y'all until until y'all show me something, man. It's the show me state. And I live in Ohio and I know the show me state ain't, ain't what is that? Show me state is what? Indiana? Is it? I don't I don't know. Or is it Missouri? I don't know. Huh. I shouldn't know this. I should know this. Well, either way we go, we, you know, we don't have it. We won't be in Missouri anytime soon. So it's Missouri. It is Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You got it. So it is crazy because I think in a game that again, we're in week seven, this is not like either team loses, they get eliminated from the playoffs. Like that's it. But I think it goes a long way, especially when you're talking December, when you're talking January, if the Browns go on a run and they rail off five straight wins, in there in the hunt in December, what would a loss to Baltimore do? It's the same thing for the Ravens. What would a loss yeah. to Cleveland do? So there, there's a lot that goes into it, but I do know that just that this division needs a spark somewhere. Some see yeah. some team is going to have to have a spark. The this NFC could, East has been, I think what the AFC North was supposed to be this. Year. Right. And as I always tell people, you know, you, week in, week in, a week out, year in, year out, there's always going to be a team you thought was going to win, they'll lose, and there's always going to be a team that you think will lose or win. And if you want to lose your house, the best way to do it is bet on NFL football games. So, and that has come true here this season. Well, I think it might be a good omen. It's not a Thursday night game. I, I think that might be the best omen there is. Oh, those things are terrible so far. These, oh, they're, they're like watching nail paint dry, bro. <laughs> like these are terrible games, man. It's just, it's just not. You know, well, you know, hey, the, the the thing that the league wants is parity. That's why the NFL is the best league in the, in the, in the 
world because every single year they give more people in that fan base an opportunity and a feeling of hope and and that maybe this year is our year and no one's really eliminated like you said to like week 12 so right right everyone's still everyone's still involved and 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 so it's just a good thing well one team has to win this game unless there's a tie as we talked about and i think something has to give. i seriously think this could be a spark to either team this could be the spark that the ravens need that the browns need to turn their season around but we both have the ravens winning so we do have that in common here but that's all i have for you here again i appreciate you hopping on and we'll be talking again this is the first of two matchups the ravens will be traveling to cleveland late in the year and i'm excited to talk about that one too all right, next time I'll bring uh, Jeff. He'll, he'll pull up <laughs> on us. We'll bring Jeff, Jeff, will, Jeff will come. We'll have the yeah. three-person three person yeah. background, three-person talk. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But thank you so much for tuning in to both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns here today. But when we get back here tomorrow on our respective shows, we'll be diving into our end-of-week Friday content. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.